This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to an episode of the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 143. We appreciate you joining us on the air here. We unfortunately are not able to broadcast this one live over the interwebs because my webcam decided that it was going to not work. So Michael told me in his in the kindest, in the kindest Australian way that he could that it's fine. I didn't want to see your face anyway. Uh, we had a quick discussion about how the podcast was over and how I was never going to co-host with him again. No, I'm just kidding. It was all good. So anyway, <laughs> we're not live on the air. We're just, you're hearing this for the first time in your podcatcher of choice, if you will. Um, hey, before we start the show too, quick shout out to Scout APM, who is sponsoring the show. Thanks so much, Scout. Check them out at laravel-news.com slash Scout APM, or actually maybe it's, is that right? Other way around. Other way around. ScoutAPM.com. ScoutAPM.com slash Laravel News. No dash needed. Yeah, there we go. So we've actually got a little bit of a shorter show here. We've only got like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten items total to talk about today. So um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. might be might be a little bit of a short one. So you can save this for when you just have to go get some gas or some petrol in your uh, in your car, Gasoline. or unless you're. Uh, Unless you own, unless you're on the eastern seaboard, unless yeah, unless you're on the eastern seaboard, or unless you happen to op, uh, own a car that requires no petrol, uh, it mm. just it just mm. guzzles electricity instead. Hey, in any case, Delicious. we've got a good show for you lined up, uh, Mr. Dorinda. I hear the weather is not ideal there, but uh, seventy-two Fahrenheit, twenty-two C. Yeah, it's not great. It's we're heading to that time of year, so but we'll we will persevere, persevere. Indeed. Indeed. Um, hey, quick thing for what was going on with my day. Got to go watch got to go watch Grand play baseball. Yeah. My, my and then the pool. This is the first day we were able to use it like as like a you know, more than just kind of test the water with our feet sort of deal. So that was really fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a good day, man. Good day. Spent the entire day by the pool. I am red as a lobster and uh that's not great. <laughs> I put lots of sunblock on, but for some reason it didn't work. I have no idea. But anyway, yeah, we're all we're all red and toasty, so hopefully tomorrow I won't be regretting my choices too much. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, let's get into it. So we've got a couple of releases first, and then some news and some packages, and one tutorial to round us out. So let's go ahead and start with cursor pagination. Uh, I can take that one here. So uh, we had in Laravel eight point forty one highly performant cursor pagination. So the Laravel team released 8.41 with cursor pagination. This is a new eloquent method to update models quietly, a new string method, and the latest changes in the 8.x branch. So let's first talk about this cursor pagination. So Paris Malhotra contributed cursor pagination support. The Laravel documentation has an excellent explanation, so I'm not going to try and redo it. I'm just going to read exactly what they have here. Uh, And so what it does is it separates cursor pagination from the other pagination methods used to retrieve pages of data from the database. Here it is. Cursor pagination works by constructing where clauses that compare the values of the ordered columns contained in the query, providing the most efficient database performance available amongst all of Laravel's pagination methods. This method of pagination is particularly well-suited for large data sets and infinite scrolling user interfaces. 
Unlike offset-based pagination, which includes a page number in the query string of the URLs generated by the paginator, cursor-based pagination places a cursor string in the query string. So it solves duplicate issues found in offset pagination, which typically impacts infinite scroll and API usage. Cursors, cursor pagination can be more efficient with these big data sets. A uh, quick example looks something like user colon order by ID and then cursor paginate 10. Uh, and what that will do is it'll grab 10 records and then it will uh, send you the response. And then in the query, instead of page equals two, uh, you instead get the next page URL param uh, and that's what you're going to use to get the next page of results. So it provides a, a big benefit to the Laravel framework and the, and the ecosystem. And uh, we appreciate Paris Mahatra for his uh, contribution on this one. And lots of other contributions too. He's done a lot of stuff in the community. Mm. Appreciate that. Uh, there's also this idea of the ability of updating a model quietly. So this will update your event, or update your model without raising any events. And so you just say, like, let's say that you had a user model uh, retrieved into a user variable. You would just arrow update quietly, and then provide your update array just like you normally would, and it'll just update it without uh, firing off any events. I wish I could see it being useful. Uh, there's another name here which I apologize. I'm not going to be able to pronounce, but it's Selkuk Cucker. It's what it looks like. There's some accent marks on there that I don't know how to pronounce. Sorry about that. But it contributed a string replace method for these uh, str and stringable classes, which I've needed a couple times uh, in the in the recent past. Uh, so I'll be using that soon. Um, you can see the full list of new features and updates and the diff between 8.40 and 8.41 on GitHub or check out these show notes for the full details. There we go. Mm. Also got another exciting Beautiful. announcement. Ooh, Michael, you get this one. Big one, big exciting one. We've spoken previously about Laravel Octane after Taylor released it earlier this year at Laracon Online. And we can now happily announce that Laravel Octane version one is here. The team has been hard at work on the tool to supercharge your application performance after releasing the beta in April. We have now reached a stable version one. So Octane boasts some exceptional performance benchmarks by using high-powered application servers that integrate with Laravel. Some things to note now that Octane is considered stable and ready for production are that Octane requires PHP version 8 and above, sports Roadrunner, which is an application server load balancer and process manager that is written in Golang, and it also supports Swool PHP, which is a high-performance programmatic server for PHP that supports async input-output, coroutines, and fibers. And Laravel Sale provides an easy way to get started with either of Roadrunner and Swool. Um, so Roadrunner and Swool being process managers similar to what FPM is. So essentially these will sit there, they'll boot up your application and the framework and all that kind of stuff. And that is the, the, the slowest, and we're talking you know tens of milliseconds here, but it's the slowest part of a PHP application is or, or a framework-based PHP application. It's booting up the framework in order to be able to serve the request. So by pre-booting it and keeping that in memory and serving requests directly, it means that you're minimizing the amount of time to respond to your customers, your queries, your APIs, whatever else. And so that speeds things up a lot. And then Roadrunner and Swool and then Octane sitting on top of that will handle process delegation and and managing the, the process managers and things like that such that it keeps everything running really quickly. The documentation for Octane is also now available on the Laravel website. You can check that out at laravel.com forward slash docs forward slash Octane. And make sure that you do read the documentation carefully when deciding which underlying server, whether that be Roadrunner or Swool, is for you. 
Both servers do offer high performance, but Octane provides vendor-specific features for Swool that are just not possible with Roadrunner. So when using Swool, you have access to the Octane case driver, which allows you to store tables and things like that directly within Swool. I haven't played with Roadrunner myself Same, uh, in yeah. the applications it, in, the, in the one that I'm using, but I'm using Swool just because it gives you some extra things. I'm not even using those extra things, but if I wanted to, you know, it's just easy to have it there anyway. And because Sale, so Sale being the Docker-based or the Laravel first-party Docker-based development environment for Laravel, it has these things ready to go. So I really just need to tell it that, that you want to use Swool and off it goes. But Swool provides read and write speeds of up to 2 million operations per second and the cache driver is powered by Swool tables. So all the data is stored in the cache and is available for all workers on the server, but the server will flush the cache data whenever you reload. So don't rely on it between application deploys, for example. And with Swool, you can also leverage concurrent tasks, which means you can execute operations simultaneously via lightweight background tasks. And lastly, Swool has the concept of the tables, which I just mentioned, that provide extreme performance throughput and data in tables can be accessed by all workers on the server. To get started with more, uh, sorry, to get started with Octane, check out the Octane repository on GitHub at Laravel slash Octane. And to get started, basically, you can just compose a require Laravel Octane and then PHP Artisan Octane install if you wanted to add it to an existing application. So yeah, definitely check that out. Very exciting to see that it has reached version one and congrats to the Laravel team. Awesome. Okay, so next we've got this one of many eloquent relationship that's been added to Laravel. So this is coming to Laravel 8.42 thanks by a thanks to a PR contribution from Leonard Karstens Barons along with uh, a collaboration with Taylor. And so it's in a pull request 37362, uh, which does a great job of explaining sort of what it is in the the discussion that need that kind of goes around with all these PRs, right? Like, what are you going to use this for? Give me some examples, things like that. Uh, there's also a repository out there that the the PR author created, uh, giving some specific examples. And so I'm going to do my very best to ex- explain it here. Um, and so the one of many relationship creates a one-to-one association from a one-to-many relationship. So you might think of a user and if you had a user and you wanted to store all of their logins, but on the top of the page, you just wanted to show here was your latest login. Here's the last time uh, that you logged in. Um, Mm -hmm. You'd want to maybe cache that like uh, you could either cache that on the user table but if you had all these uh, all these records how do you get that so this one of many relationship uh, is is sort of the way that you would do that and the way that it works is it uses this inner join uh, and Michael and I were just talking about a couple minutes ago and he had mentioned it I totally forgot about this that Jonathan Rennick actually talked about this in his talk he's talked a lot about uh, how you can elo- use eloquent in uh, in his course what's that called Michael of course it is uh, eloquent performance patterns. Eloquent performance patterns. So if you don't know Jonathan Rennick, yes, eloquent performance pander- patterns, but also Inertia JS. That dude, that really, really smart dude, that's the guy. So he talked about this a little bit. And so uh, now what you can do is you can have this has one. So on the user model, what you might do is you might have a public function called latest login. And then instead of having to do like a query builder to do an inner join on all that, basically you can just say this has one and then pass the login class because it's a relationship. And you do arrow of many. And so what that would do is that would grab you uh, the latest login in that case. There's a couple things in the uh, in the blog post here showing the interfaces associated with uh, of many. 
There is also two helper methods. If you're looking for a really expressive way to do this in the relationship, uh, you could do this has one login class. And then instead of saying of many, you can do latest of many arrow. So it'd be again, just to be clear here, this has one login class arrow latest of many or oldest of many either way, right? That's going to be the latest one or the very first one. Um, the documentation is not out there yet. It's going to, it's forthcoming, but the best place to learn about it for right now is the description and the discussion in the pull request. Again, that's pull request 37, 36, uh, two. And so the description in there outlines some of the drawbacks from using has one for this type of relationship, uh, which will be helpful for understanding when to use it. And again, as I said, there is also a repository that the creator made that gives mm-hmm. some examples as well. So that's pretty cool. I have a couple of places where we're doing that, uh, but not with the inner join, which I think is going to be much more efficient for sure. Yeah, definitely. Always, always lean on the database because it's kind of built sure. to do these things efficiently, yeah. especially once your applications start to get a bit bigger yes. and you know pulling pulling thousands and thousands or even tens of thousands or even you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of records out and trying to, you know, load them as collections and then filter them. And it gets very memory intensive and slow. Whereas databases, they're just built to make these kinds of things happen very quickly and very efficiently. So yeah, I mean, anything that we can get that kind of gives us the, the, the eloquence, I guess, of eloquent while still maintaining the underlying performance of the database yeah. is is a big win yep. in, in terms of, you know, being able to do this stuff. And I, f- I do find it interesting that like of the releases that we've talked about so far with Laravel, like cursor pagination is like a really efficient way to do pagination. And then it's like Laravel Octane, like a really fast way to serve routes, right? Or to serve like a specific route or your entire application. Mm-hmm. Then it's like uh, this one of many relationship, much more efficient way to do, right? And the next one we're going to talk about yeah. is, go ahead, I'll let you talk about it. But if you notice the pattern, it's yeah. like, these things are being used at scale now, right? Laravel is being used at scale. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is like some of this push for performance and um, we used to do it this way and now we're going to provide you a better way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that's key. You know, you can only, there's only so many, I guess, groundbreaking or revelatory or evolutionary changes that you could bring into the framework itself in terms of of writing code and and quality of life improvements. So, you know, turning to efficiency, it's, you know, it's good to see this kind of stuff coming into the framework because it's always been a knock, I suppose, on not Laravel specifically, but, you know, PHP in general is just not fast enough. And that's, you know, it's obviously not true for those of us that that use PHP. We know that it can be quite performant and quite efficient at scale. So, you know, just just having these things coming into the framework um, and having a lot of contributors that are, that are helping do this as well. You know, it's not just the Laravel team. It's it's the people in the ecosystem that are also making this happen. It's it's good for everyone to to see this kind of stuff happening now. So definitely check that out. And um, it's it's good to see the focus on performance and efficiency coming into the framework. In you know, it's always been there, but to see it more often now as well. For sure. The the other thing that we have is a way in at in the framework itself to find n plus one problems instantly by disabling lazy loading. So this is something that will be coming in the Laravel 8 release in the week of the 24th of May. And if you are, if you want to be very strict about preventing N plus one query problems from slipping into the framework, Mohammed Saeed made a contribution to the framework that allows you to disable lazy loading entirely. So if you, if you try and reference a relationship that hasn't been explicitly loaded, then an exception will be thrown and you can disable it globally in all of your environments or more 
more appropriately and probably a little bit safer is to disable it on non-production so right. that you know, if one of these yeah. does happen to slip into your production application that you you know you don't have your application crash um, because you forgot this so it's basically in a in a service provider somewhere in your app service provider probably you can go model colon colon prevent lazy loading and that will trigger laravel to as i said throw an exception in the event that you haven't loaded uh, eager loaded a relationship so the n plus one query problem just to for those of you who aren't aware is essentially if you were to load a user and then you were to iterate all of the users blog posts right if you were to do that without eager loading you would load the user and then you would iterate through that user's post and for each one you would query the database so the n plus one being n however many records you have in the database plus the original query to get the user so eager loading will effectively find the user and then it will go and do a a select star from blog posts where user underscore id equals one whatever that user was and then eloquent will handle hydrating the user model with all of those posts so it's it's there and it's in memory so preventing lazy loading in development can help you to catch those n plus one bugs earlier on in the development process and the 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 ecosystem has had various tools to identify n N plus one queries i know that uh, marcel posiot had a package for some time that that did this and it would pop up in your browser and there's like ci tools and things like that that you could use to do that but this approach is really a um it's a it's a it's a blunt object approach, you know. Just swinging the uh, describe it, yeah. the old sledgehammer. It's like no, you, you know, you're going to get errors as you're developing this out. So, um, getting this up and running, as I said, is just to throw that into your app service provider and go from there. And you can, uh, what can we do here? You can associate models and prevent lazy loading and things like that. So, I'll just cut that out. But yeah, in your app service provider, in the boot method. You just go model colon colon prevent lazy loading and then for safety especially if you're adding this to a existing application pass it a a boolean in there so for example exclamation mark app is production and that means basically do it in all environments except for your production environment as i said at the top of the of this segment so that you don't cause your production application to break inadvertently and this will throw a lazy loading violation exception so definitely check that out it's a certainly a smart thing especially if there's any chance that you're going to be working with huge data sets the you know you don't want your application to just be slow because you're grinding through things like that absolutely and so a couple things here so number one i would do this almost always because this is one of those things where in your development environment you typically won't like it's very possible you don't notice it and you won't notice it because a lot of times what you'll the the reason you might catch it in, in developments if you like seed your database with a bunch of stuff and then all of a sudden a page that was yeah. working totally fine a couple of minutes ago was like wait a second that's really slow like why is that taking so long mm. and then you mm. realize oh there's an n plus one query and i'm trying to load like three thousand records okay 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 well yeah. that yeah. typically isn't caught in development and by the time it gets to production it's little it's a little too late right um yeah and so and in your local environment with your eight core CPU and your 16 gigs exactly. of RAM with, with no HTTP round trip, you're not going to notice these things exactly. versus your, you know, digital ocean $5 a month droplet that you're going to deploy to. Yes. It's a little bit different. Totally that. Exactly. So I would suggest, yes, this is a great way to catch these problems before you ship them to production because you're probably not going to see it um, in development. However, we also have all the other people who are not running Laravel 8 yet. Right. 
and are also mm-hmm. not running PHP 8 yet, which is also, I think, required for Laravel 8, right? Um, and so what about those people, right? And what about all these other improvements that are in Laravel 8 that are still not going to be yet in the other versions of Laravel? Scout APM, literally. I know I, I, this is a sponsor, yes, but also this is exactly what they do. So for any yeah. of you out there who are like, oh man, like I, this is true. Like they're bringing us some really good points here. Like these these things are, are really great new features for Laravel 8, but I don't have Laravel 8 yet. Correct. And so Scout APM is built to detect these exact problems. Memory leaks, N plus one queries, things that are taking a lot longer in production than they should. It's going to tell you about those things. So APM stands for Application Performance monitoring so scout is built to be lightweight on your server um, and not really really heavy like some of these other things that measure a lot of other stuff that you might not be concerned about and then what it also does is it will find when it finds that spot in your code that is having a bunch of memory problems or is a bottleneck or is an n plus one query it's going to actually pinpoint that spot in your code and show it to you so you don't have to spend all your time debugging you can just go in there and get it fixed right so they've got real-time alerts weekly digest emails so you can send it to your whole team everybody can pick up issues and just start working on them and there's a free 14-day trial right now as well which is really great so if you're listening to this and you're a Laravel news listener you can uh get a free trial at scoutapm.com slash laravel news definitely check them out they've been around for a while and uh i know their their product is, is really great we're really glad to have them sponsoring but definitely check them out if you're worried about some of this stuff and you don't really have a great solution, that's a good one. It, it's, you know, you just install it and you're, and you're done. It'll, tell, it'll start telling you about these things. So there you go. Okay, we've got Alpine Day as well coming up. So Alpine Day is a one-day live online conference for the Alpine JS framework. So Alpine JS is created by Caleb Porzio, who has been a longtime Laravel contributor. Uh, he was the string king for a while there when he was contributing all those string helpers, but really, really cool dude. And also built Livewire, which is used um, in uh, Laravel and uh, in the, what's the what's the one that's got the team stuff on it? Jetstream. Jetstream, thank you. I, thought, I was like, Jetpack? No, that's WordPress. Jetstream, right? <laughs> so uh, Caleb has created all that. So Alpine Day is going to include a handful of 18-minute talks, which is kind of novel, right? 18-minute talks from a, a lot of speakers in the community, along with fresh demos of all the new stuff coming in Alpine 3, I think it is. Uh, so at the end of all, mm. we'll hit the big shiny launch button. So it's on June 10th, 2021 at 9 o'clock Eastern. Tickets are only $18 as well which includes watching the event live and the recorded videos after it's over. So we've got Caleb Porzio, we've got uh, Hugo, who is the founder of Code with Hugo and AlpineJS Weekly. We've got Austin Cameron, who's a Liveware core contributor. Shruti Balasa, who's a course creator and YouTuber. I'm not going to read all of them. I should. Should I? I'm halfway through. Justin Jackson and John Booth, Jesse through. Shutt, Matt Stoffer, Adam Wathen, and Caleb Porzio again at the end. So they've got a great site that was created by Jack McDade, and uh, it looks really cool. So go go grab those tickets before they go up in price. I think the final price, not early bird price, is going to be like 35 bucks. So go get them all their $18 mm-hmm. and uh, join in on the fun. Should be a good one. Yeah, definitely. Next up here, we have the long in development, long in in uh, long in waiting, it's first stable re- release of Sublime Text version four. 
It now also works natively for Apple Silicon and Linux ARM64 and includes a lot of great new features, including tab multi-select, a refreshed UI, context-aware auto-completion, TypeScript, JSX, and TSX support, and super-powered syntax definitions. They've also changed the licensing uh, agreement around how they, they do it. So if you use Sublime Merge, essentially you get a... The, the license keys are no longer tied to a single major version. So it used to be that you would get a, a Sublime Text 1, which would give you all the version 1, Sublime Text 2, all of 2, and so on and so forth. Now you get a license that is valid for all updates, major and minor, within three years of purchase of that that license. And after that, you still have full access to every version of Sublime Text released within that three-year window, but newer builds will require a license upgrade. So... As I said, these are the same license terms used for Sublime Merge. So definitely check that out. Uh, the the creator of Sublime Text is actually based in Australia. So support a Aussie developer. They, they If you look through, we'll include the link in the show notes, but there's just so many changes that have come in in the in the full change log. GPU rendering, context-aware auto-completion, supporting Python 3.8, uh, which gives some better support for things like IntelliSense and the, the language server protocol that that is all based on, uh, platform integrations, application behaviors, auto-completion, input handling, editor control, text commands, snippets, indexing, files and folders, find UI, spell checking, rendering, underlying API. It's just, it's a massive list of stuff that they've spent a, a good deal of time on. So if you've been using Sublime Text or you've left and, and uh, you know, we're waiting for some, I guess, movement in terms of development, definitely check that out. Uh, if that is something of interest to you. Yeah, I'm looking through all the features here. It's been a hot minute. I use Sublime every day still probably, but not as my main mm. um, application for development. So I miss it though. It's, uh, it's been a great tool, man. I, I love Sublime. Uh, mm. I use PHP Storm most yeah. days for application development stuff. But like I said, Sublime is just too freaking handy. Plus all the shortcuts and stuff. I've yeah. known them by heart for like, you know, a decade. So, yeah, it's definitely very good for manipulating, you know, large documents that Absolutely. Yeah, if you've got a large JSON document or you a giant CSV that you wanna, you know, you've tried to open with Excel or whatever and it just dies, it's fantastic for that. It's just really, really performant in handling giant chunks of text. Correct. Um, yeah, for the next work. week as well, the 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 price of Sublime Text is down from uh, ninety nine US dollars to eighty dollars, which is for the next eight days at the time of this recording. So probably about five days by the time this is in your ears. Um, and as I said, it's a, it's a three-year license. And you can also bundle with Sublime Merge and get a discount on that nice. as well. So nice. definitely check those pieces of tooling out. Do you use Sublime Merge? I do use Sublime Merge. It's probably the only Git GUI that I've used that I've, that I've actually enjoyed that, that doesn't hinder what I'm trying to do, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, the, I mean, the GitHub desktop GUI is good, but I find that, that most things, they kind of just slow me down. They're like they're not they're not a whole lot quicker than using the CLI. command line yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I, I used it a couple times, and mm, I just found the diff tool that I I use to do those merge stuff. Um, and my other tool works works good for me. But yeah, I've got mm. it anyway. I think I've got a license for it. But yeah, anyway. Okay, multi-step forms for Laravel. So I'm gonna I don't know how to pronounce this yet. If it's Arcanist or Arcanist. But it's a package by Kai Sasanowski that takes the pain out of building multi-step form wizards in Laravel. Uh, it requires both Laravel 8 and PHP 8. 
So the description given by the author is that it provides a simple yet powerful approach for adding multi-step form wizards to your Laravel application, taking care of all the boring details so you can spend your time writing features, not boilerplate. So here are the features. Automatically register all necessary routes for the wizard, form validation, passing data between the steps, keeping track of which steps have already been completing, and then resuming wizards at the last unfinished step. So you may have done this before where you're like, okay, wait, I want them to be able to resume this at any point in time. Think like TurboTax, right? And if you know what TurboTax is, Mm -hmm. right? Where you start the process and you're halfway through and it's kept track of where you're at and what steps you've completed. And it keeps track of all your data as well. So at any point you can come back and get back to where you were previously and then finish. Mm -hmm. This handles all of that. So setting up, you know, setting these things up can be really complex quite quickly. Uh, But using this package makes it, so you'll have a few classes to work with, such as the overall wizard class and the steps classes, and that's it. They've got some Mm. code here that I'm not going to try and read on air, but there's a wizard class for user registration, and it gives you a visual here. So you've got like a title, a slug what action you want to take when it's been completed. Then you have an array of all the different steps that you're going to include in there. And uh, I believe the steps are different classes. So once you register the wizard, mm. the package configuration file, the package registers associated routes, and the steps property houses the wizard steps in an array. And each step has something like a title, a slug, a view data so it will grab the data out of the database that you need that you want to be included and then it also includes the names of those data fields as well as the rules that you want to apply for validation to those so again those things are typically very complex and very difficult to deal with but typically but not typically but this uh package deals with all that for you so if that's something you're looking to get into Uh, or looking to solve, you should definitely check this one out. If not to use it to to get some inspiration. Again, like I I remember I actually went, this is why I went to Vuex for a little bit for uh, this Mm -hmm. one project I was working on. I really wanted a really nice wizard experience for the user who was coming on the page, but I never got to the point where I was like, I could save it and have them come back. I was like, I'll do that later. But this would have been what I used yeah. if I was to start now. If I was to start today, this is the process I would For use. Sure. And, and I yeah. would I would definitely give this one a look. So check that out if that's something you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I've had to build a couple of giant multi-step forms. And things have definitely got easier over the years. For sure. Nothing as simple as here is a class that represents all of your steps. And here is a class representing the individual step and, and all the kind of stuff that you need to do. Just being able to scaffolded out this quickly and for anyone that's had to do a multi-step process like this this is very nice so kudos to yeah totally kai for putting that together yeah and um so there is sort of like this line in the sand right you you will have there are sometimes where like you created a multi-step form just recently right and you just Mm. used alpine and tailwind right Mm. And for like yeah. a little two-step, three-step form where it's not something they need to like come back to. I think you have like one question on each page, right? Basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's no point in like, you don't, you don't need to create a database entry for all that, right? That's fine. But like mm-hmm. if you're getting to like multiple steps where it's going to be like multiple pieces of input, it's so frustrating when like you accidentally yeah. swipe backwards on your keypad and it takes yeah, you whoops, back a page. Bye. And then it's like, no, it's yeah, all gone, right? Yeah. So in that case, saving it all to a database is a, is a really great idea. And that's what this package helps you do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 It's um 
this was basically the the last task that I had at my last job was to redo the online sign up form, and that that went to one of my colleagues when I left to to finish up. But it was it was like a, a multiple month project to get it all done, and it I mean. We weren't just capturing information. There was a whole lot of qualification stuff and and backend processing that had to be done at each step. But you know, something like this just makes it so much easier. Yep, absolutely. Next up, we have running into the packages section. Laravel Nova Inline Select is a package that allows you to change the status of a resource directly from the index or detail views. From the author of the package, Brandon Ferrance, we have some internal resources that we manage with a small Laravel Nova project. Managing the resources was quite easy and has saved us a lot of manual work. There was, however, one small tool we kept wanting to search for, but unfortunately it didn't exist. To update the status of a resource, we would have to go to the update view, change the status, then save it, which became cumbersome more and more as the resource needed to be updated. Nova Inline Select solves these problems by adding a form to the list of resources that can even auto-submit when a change to the value occurs. So it's basically a drop-down. So if you've got status fields, you know, you want to change a blog post from pending to draft to uh, pub to approve to published whatever in a, in a default nova install you'd have to click on the edit thing change the value hit save get kicked back to the list possibly lose your place where you were whereas this will allow you to just from a drop down select a new status and then hit save and off it goes so uh, it's it's a simple process to get up running you composer install or composer require the package use the inline select field type in your resource and then just specify that you want inline on index or inline on detail or or both in your field definition and then that is done that's it it's a three-step process and it and it if you're doing this a lot it's certainly going to help clean up that process for you so definitely check that out awesome We've got this other package called Sidecar, which is really interesting. So what it does is it it's a package by Hammerstone, the Hammerstone team. And what it does is it takes the pain out of packaging, deploying, and executing AWS Lambda functions from your Laravel application. So it supports both Laravel 7 and 8, requires PHP 7.2 or newer. And uh, sort of the description they give is this, that Laravel Vapor brought serverless to Laravel, right? You can run plain old Laravel apps on a serverless platform and get really good speed, security, reliability, all that good stuff. Sidecar, however, brings that ease of Vapor to non-PHP functions. So common UK use cases would be stuff like taking screenshots with headless Chrome or running FFmpeg or data work with Python, generating images, rendering your JavaScript front-end server-side, et cetera, et cetera, right? Or Ruby scripts or something like that. How do you do all that? So you can use, with this, you can use any of the runtimes supported by Lambda, which is things like Node.js, 10, 12, 14, Python, Ruby, Java, Go, .NET Core, all those things. So all you have to do is you say sidecar configure, and this interactively walks you through setting up the correct permissions in AWS so that you don't have to mess around with the IAM UI, which is a nightmare, right? I feel like Mm -hmm. I never know which uh, (laughs) sets of permissions I need to use in there. So this will walk you through all that. And then once you have your credentials configured, uh, you can make your first Lambda, which just requires two things, a PHP class, and then the files that you want to be deployed to Lambda. So if you're going to use Node to generate an image, your function class would look something like, okay, you have a new class called generate image, and it extends Lambda function. And then you say the handler is, and then you return a handler function, which is your JavaScript file 
that you want to use as the Lambda. And then sometimes you have stuff like files and folders needed for the function to run. Um, and so you can also, in a method called package, you can send in all files and folders that are needed for your function. Uh, then once it's configured, you can deploy and activate it with a simple command that is php artisan sidecar colon deploy dash dash activate. And I'm assuming you would run that each time uh, in your pipeline, right? In your deployment, uh, continuous deployment pipeline. And it would, that creates your Lambda function on AWS and then prepares it for use. And then you can execute that function anywhere in your Laravel application just by calling execute on the class. So generate image colon colon execute. And, the, or, and you can pass any data you want uh, to the Lambda function as well. As you could probably guess, this is a rather complex package and they do have uh, full documentation uh, on the repository as well as a separate site specifically for documentation as well. So this is not a version one release yet. This is version 0.1 release, so it's a beta release. Any issues being brought up right now are being addressed quickly and then features are being added as they move forward towards a 1.0 release. This sounds freaking awesome. What do you think of this? Yeah, it's pretty handy. Yeah, pretty wow. handy. That's amazing um, because a lot of times, so like there's specifically, I've needed a Lambda, but what I kind of don't want is I, I don't want this Lambda function that's just out there somewhere that's not tied back into my source code anywhere. So nobody who's working on the app in the future is going to know that there's this Lambda function out there that's doing something for this app. Like for example, handling bounces or something, right? There's just nowhere. It's nowhere yeah. in your source code. And so yeah, with this, yeah, that's right. all your AWS Lambda functions live inside your Laravel application. And then you just deploy them and then you can activate them straight inside your application. Wow. Really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely it's definitely useful if you've you know if you've got those those use cases you know if you're doing headless Chrome for screenshots or or running FF I mean running FFmpeg is something I did a lot of in a couple of jobs ago which that's you right, know, all of this kind of stuff would have been helpful if it existed stuff, right? if it existed back then yeah yeah but you know all of these things were just too late none of this existed four years ago <laughs> <laughs> exactly if I could take this code and run back in time indeed indeed anyway yeah the last thing we have here is a tutorial from our good friend and everybody's favorite human, Paul Redmond. That's right. Which allows you to define default password validation rules in Laravel. So in version 8.43 of the framework, the password validation rule object now supports the ability to define default password rules that you can use across your application. So if you've got a password reset and a user signup and a uh, you know, change password thing, there's three different places that you need to remember to keep your password rules in sync in your validation rules and things like that. So the ability to define default password rules means that you can centralize all of that validation by putting this into a service provider, for example, your app service provider. So within the boot method, you go password, colon, colon, defaults, and then pass it a closure that returns the password object with your default rules. So, you know, inside that closure, you could return password, colon, colon, min eight, mixed case, and uncompromised, which would mean that um, you could do this for all of those locations and anywhere else that you happen to do it. You know, if you've got an admin area as well that you want to do it. So um, the defaults are stored and you can retrieve them later on a validator by using the defaults method on the password rule object. Uh, so this gives you convenient password conventions designed to enforce strong passwords, including if the check, including checking if the password was compromised in any known data leaks. This also allows you to do things like conditionally 
set rules. So in your local environment, you might not care about it. You know, you just want a password that's A so that you could quickly create an account and go in. But if you've got rules and you've got to go, you know, testing one, two, three, and it gets a little bit tricky. So you could do a, an environment check within this password defaults method as well. So that's genius. definitely check that out if that is something that you want to do. Look at you, man, pulling it out of the bag. That's That wasn't even in the tutorial. You just like just nope. pulled that one out. That was great. That's a that's an excellent idea because you don't want to be go check. You give like, me have I been pwned if you just, correct if you're in the local yeah. dev environment, right? Or every single time that you're running a test, yeah, yeah, nice. Yep. Good yep. call yep. on that. And you could do that app uh, production, not app production, right? Bang. Mm-hmm. You ever call it bang? You call it exclamation point. Bang. You call it I bang? call it bang, but that's just uh, from a, from bash days. You know, you I have know. the shebang at the top of your file, I feel and like, it's a bang. I always feel like almost embarrassed when I say that. It seems faster than saying exclamation mm. point. How many bang, syllables bang. is that? Yeah. Exclamation. Then you Five got syllables. Bang, bang. I just rather say bang, right? But it's like it sounds. It yeah. sounds like I'm trying to be cool when I say that, so I just never do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah, it sounds pseudo, like I'm trying pseudo, too hard. Pseudo bang bang. That's pseudo bang bang. Yeah. Pseudo exactly. bang bang. You yeah. got it. That's that's where it comes from. It's like. You know, when you type a command and it doesn't work, and then you go right. sudo bang bang. Sudo bang bang. Yep. It's like, do it. Yep. Exactly. Do it now. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. All right, folks. Well, this was episode 143. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 143. Of course, we always love hearing from you guys on and girls and folks and y'all on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. And uh, if you like the show, rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. That's it, man. Michael, I know you're on the run, dude. You got to go, right? I am on the run. Going to hang out with some friends. Going to watch Take an Eli. Going to watch the footy. All right, you guys. Sounds good. Sounds good, man. Have a great time. Tell Ree and all the kiddos we said hi. Will do. Take it easy. Same to you. Enjoy the the pool. Hope the the sunburn's not too severe. Yeah. (laughs) I'll keep you updated. Excellent. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. Bye.